Fellowship. Fellowship is sort of what I would call a prequel to unity. You guys know what that word means, prequel? It's kind of a today word, right? We have sequels, and then we have prequels, which is kind of like the story before the story. Well, fellowship is kind of the story before the story of unity. And we need fellowship if we're ever going to unify together. I really believe that fellowship is important. That's why we're doing what we're doing here this morning, because fellowship is so important. And fellowship, if the Lord will allow us to see it today, is a true blessing from God. It's a blessing. Because if we gain fellowship with one another, we'll become strong. Strong and not easy to push around in the Christian race. And if we regularly fellowship with one another, unity will take place. True, godly unity will take place. Now, the word fellowship, that maybe you've heard this word before, too. In the Greek, it actually is this word koinonia. Anyone ever heard that term before? Koinonia? <clears throat> the word fellowship or koinonia has three different definitions that I found, and they, they kind of all work. And this is the first one. Joint participation. To fellowship with one another, you need to share or participate together in something. When you do that, you fellowship together, when you jointly participate with something. Number two is sharing together what is commonly held. So if you guys have something that you share, or if your children have something that they share, that's what fellowship is. You have something that you both have that you share together. Number three is a gift that's jointly enjoyed. Uh, my twin's birthday is actually Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, the twins turn seven. So I've learned, and we've learned from having twins, even though it's quite convenient to get one gift for two kids because they're twins, you can't do it that way. You have to get two sets of everything. But sometimes my, my twins will share a gift, and when they do that, they are fellowshipping together. That's kind of what the word means. So look at those definitions of the word fellowship. That's kind of where we're going today. This word is really important. It is, it is in Scripture quite a bit. And I believe that we as Christians have the deepest form of fellowship because we share jointly with the Lord, first and foremost, and with each other. And the things that we share matter for eternity. That's why it's the deepest form of fellowship, because they're eternal things. Now, the world also experiences fellowship as well, right? The world can do that on some level. In fact, have you ever been to a sports game and you high-five a stranger? Anyone ever done that? Is that just a guy thing? Anyone? No? Okay. Uh, I've done this. I went to a Michigan game uh, when Janine and I were dating back in Michigan, and she saw me high-five some random guy next to me during one of the... What, you've done that? Yeah, you've done that, right? It's not that weird. And But Janine, I remember her telling me, you know, after that, that she thought that was a little out of character for me, that I high-fived some random stranger. And I said, well, you know, Michigan had just scored a touchdown. This is back in the day when Michigan did score touchdowns. They don't anymore. Um, but back in the day when they were good, it just seemed like something you should do. You should turn next to the guy next to you and high-five that guy. You know, you both just shared an experience of your team doing well. And the world does this. They share things, even with people they don't know, when something good is happening. This can also happen if your favorite politician wins or if your favorite singer on American Idol gets voted in. Is that still a thing? American Idol? Yes. Kind of? It is? It's still on. Still on? So that, that's what fellowship looks like for the world. When good things happen to a bunch of people at the same time, those people experience fellowship. Now, unfortunately, fellowship can also happen in a negative fashion. Robert and I, who's not here today, um, Robert and I were speaking about the other day that the world, the entire world experienced something together this past year. And it was the coronavirus pandemic. 
And we were thinking, has the world ever experienced something together at the same time in recent history besides this? And I couldn't think of anything. But we all experienced this thing called the coronavirus pandemic at the exact same time. And so no matter where you are on, on the side of the argument or the data, we all experienced a pandemic at the same time. And although that's a negative version of fellowship, it's still fellowship. And it still helps to have people next to you and near you sharing the very same experiences at the same time that you are. That helps, whether it's good or bad. But again, nobody has such deep fellowship or koinonia as Christians have with the Lord and with each other because the things that we share have eternal ramifications. And that's why they're so deep and so meaningful. Now, sports fans cannot say that. One day they're going to die and they won't share the experience of their sports team any longer with anyone. Or perhaps if you're like me, sometimes you switch your favorite team from the Patriots to the Buccaneers because your favorite player left. And now you don't fellowship with New England fans anymore. In fact, now you hate New England fans like everybody else. I'm just teasing. But this is kind of how fellowship goes with the world. It doesn't mean their version of fellowship isn't worth anything. I mean, I have to admit that when I pass, I, I told Maria this the other day, I got a Nissan Altima a couple months ago. It's an old one. It's not new, but I have a Nissan Altima. Now I notice all the Nissan Altimas on the road. In fact, sometimes I'll give them a little nod, like, you know, fellow Nissan Altima owner, I see you. I won't cut you off. I won't honk at you, you know, because you understand the Nissan Altima lifestyle. I'm being facetious, but... That's, that's, again, that's the, that's the depth of the fellowship that the world has. It's not very deep. But Christians should share the deepest sorrows and the highest joys together, right? We should share the deepest sorrows together and the highest joys together because we're family. And we began a series a couple weeks ago called Our Family. And through the series, we want to help us appreciate the amazing blessings that we receive from being a part of Christ's church. That's what this series is all about, for us to appreciate the blessings that we have in Jesus. And as I began this new series, I spoke with Pastor Mel about an idea that I had to sort of have a mini breakfast every week that we're doing this series to sort of force some fellowship upon us all. And that's kind of the point of why we're doing what we're doing for the series. And why did we do that? Because quite honestly, and quite simply, fellowship is important. And I would even say crucial. We believe fellowship is essential to unifying together. And if you remember our lesson from last week, if we unify, we can take down the strongholds of the devil. If we come together, we'll become one. We'll have the best chance we possibly could have of finishing our course following Jesus. Because we cannot run this race without the blood of Jesus or the grace of God. And we cannot finish this course without each other. That's kind of how God has built this thing. He, we need his blood, we need God's grace, and we need each other. And if we stand before God on the last day, having finished our race, then three things will have been true about us. We had the blood of Jesus, we had the grace of God, and we had each other. If we stand before God on, on Judgment Day, confident, and we pass that Judgment Day, all three of those things will be true about us. And if we don't unify, then we're completely on our own. And we are very unlikely to continue and finish our race following Jesus until the end. This makes unity 
crucial. Crucial. And as we're going to learn today, fellowship is also crucial to unity. But if we're going to encourage fellowship at Wyoming Valley Church, and we are, we need to explain what is fellowship and maybe what it isn't. And so let's begin with what fellowship is not. What is fellowship not? Fellowship is not just talking together with other Christians about anything. Okay? Now that's not the, that is a version of fellowship, but that's not the fellowship that we're going to hang our hat upon today. It's not just getting together with other Christians and talking about anything that pops into your mind. It's also not just having a meal together. Now, that is a step towards fellowship, but just because you break bread and have a meal next to another person, that doesn't mean fellowship is taking place. Fellowship is also not just enjoying or tolerating each other's company. Just because we gather together, again, fellowship hasn't necessarily taken place. Sometimes we refer to these things as fellowship, but perhaps the word has been redefined in our culture because Christian fellowship is much deeper than those things much more profound. In fact, the term fellowship, or it says koinonia in Scripture sometimes, is the most powerful, most profound thing you can find about unity. And I'm going to let the Word of God today tell us what fellowship is, because fellowship comes up in Scripture more than you might guess. And we're going to start in 1 John. I think I said John. We're in 1 John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, listen to the Word of God and listen for our word fellowship. John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. You get a picture of what fellowship looks like just from looking at this one passage. And John, if you remember John, we'll get back to this in a moment. John was a first-hand witness of Jesus Christ. First-hand he did not learn about Jesus from Sunday school. He did not learn about Jesus from a devotional that taught it to him or from his parents. John learned about Jesus Christ from firsthand physical and literal experience with Jesus Christ. And he said this. Go back there. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, listen to the language, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to you and proclaim also to you. See, John fellowship with Jesus by being right next to him. Right next to him. In fact, fellowship is impossible without a direct connection to somebody. Do you know that? You cannot fellowship unless you're near somebody. And I'm going to prove that to you with my first illustration, okay? Haddon. I'm going to use you as my first volunteer, okay? I want you to go back in the children's room, back where mommy and the baby are, okay? And I'm going to talk to you. Go back there, and I'm going to, I'm going to stay where I am, and I'm going to tell you something. And when you come back, I want you to tell me what I said, okay? Oh, his shoe's untied. You okay, buddy? Going to make it? Okay. Take your time. <laughs> Take your time. 
Haddon, go back with mommy, shut the door, and we'll do our little experience here, okay? I'm going to mute myself so he can't hear. Okay, now I'm going to tell you guys, my, I'm muted on purpose so Haddon can't hear me by accident. My favorite movie I've told you before is what? Does anybody remember what my favorite movie is? A Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge. It's my favorite movie. I like that movie because of the message of that movie. But my guilty pleasure movie is a comedy, and it's called Mall Cop. Okay, come on out, Haddon. Turn my mic back on. All right, Haddon, come on out. Did you hear what I said? You, you didn't hear what I said? You didn't hear what movie I like? What's my favorite movie of all time, do you know? What's my favorite comedy of all time, do you know? You don't know because you, you didn't hear me say it, did you? And that's a really simple illustration. You can sit down. Thanks for not tripping, buddy. Both shoes untied. What's that? Oh, they're tied together? Okay, someone might need to help him. That was not on purpose. We might need to check with the twins on that one. All part of the show. Um, that's not my illustration either. That one, that one is completely made up. But in my illustration, you can see what's going on. Fellowship can't happen, can it? Unless we're together. Unless we're near each other. And that's the point of fellowship. So this is why we work really hard at, at w, WVC to get you people together. Because fellowship cannot happen unless we're near each other. We have to be close to each other. Now I want you to remember back to the beginning days of the coronavirus pandemic. Okay? when we shut our doors of our church buildings for two to three months. That was a hard time. And at that time, I want you to know, we, we made the decision we believed was best at the time. And I know most of you know that. But hindsight is also 2020. And now we believe we can't go back to a primarily internet-based church because it doesn't work. And sadly, we had to learn by experience that it doesn't work because things like Zoom, although they're great tools, they were never meant to make up for the experience we have of right next to each other fellowship. And we had to learn that by experience. In fact, that picture, I know everybody looks like they're having a fantastic time. I actually told them I'm going to take a screenshot, smile, because they were all frowning before that. No, they weren't. And I, somehow Luke got in Florida. I don't know how that happened, or Hawaii, or wherever he is. But we had to experience together. Honestly, there was a version of fellowship because I think we all experienced together that the fact that it wasn't working and because fellowship is not supposed to work unless we're near each other. That's kind of how it's been built. I don't believe true, deep, rich fellowship happens via cyberspace. Not long term. We have to be near each other. So if a pandemic remains, which it might, or if another pandemic comes, I believe, and Pastor Mel and I believe, that the risk of catching a physical virus is actually much less risky than not being together for the sake of profound fellowship and unity. And I had to learn that by experience. Because without fellowship and without, without unity, we're not following Jesus the way he demands. That was a hard time for all of us. And God forbid that we fail to follow Jesus due to anything earthly. God forbid. God forbid we stand on Judgment Day and try to tell God, well, it was hard. Or you, don't, you can't imagine the difficulty we had up on the earth while he's wearing the scars on his hands and his feet. That's not going to work on the last day. We need to follow Jesus and we need fellowship and unity no matter what it takes. It's that important. So we will not be closing our doors for long-term periods very easily ever again because it's that important to be together. 
And I want you to listen to what John says right after he says that he experienced Jesus on a first-hand level. Listen to what he says. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, John's direct link to Jesus can enhance our direct link to Jesus simply by sharing with John the things that we have in common through Jesus. In other words, we can have fellowship with John and with God the Father through our common connection with Jesus. There it is. That's exactly what fellowship means. Joint participation. Sharing what we have in common. When the three come together, as we're going to look here in a minute, a threefold cord, that is really strong fellowship and unity. Because we all have a direct connection to Jesus Christ. And when we share that bond, that connection and that bond gets even stronger. Fellowshipping with those who share a, a relationship with Jesus makes our relationship with Jesus doubly strong. Now, I was going to do a second illustration here, but I'm just going to, because hadn't kind of set that up with the whole shoe thing that I didn't plan. Um, but you guys remember growing up and sometimes when you would tie your shoes for the first time, they would come untied a lot. That happened to me at least. When I was growing up, I remember my shoes coming untied a lot. And then my parents taught me a trick called the double knot. You guys remember that? The double knot? Who still does that? You do still do? Yeah. Sometimes I do, but I told you last week that if I, if I double knot my shoes and then I try to take my shoe off while I'm standing, that'll make it even worse. Um, so I used to double knot my shoes as kids all the time because it made my shoe that much more secure. I couldn't easily get untied or easily trip over my shoe then because it made that knot doubly strong. And that's kind of the point of fellowship is, yes, we have a connection to Jesus Christ. But when we fellowship with someone who else has a connection to Jesus Christ, that's when the double knot occurs. And that's a very secure feeling and very good strength that you and I need in our lives. And John seems to think that fellowship with us is important for us. And of course, we all believe that fellowship with the Father and with the Son is important. I hope you do. So perhaps for the first time ever, we can see this concept of being in the trenches together. If John shared with Jesus, and we share with John, and we all share with God the Father and with Jesus, then suddenly we're all together and we're experiencing rich, deep fellowship together. We share jointly with John, or we're going to say today, each other, because John's no longer here. We share with God the Father and we share with Jesus. And when we do that, we have all things good in common. And this means that we're not only not alone in the Christian race, but we have access to strength that will change our lives as Christians. I want you to listen to our next passage from Ecclesiastes. The King, uh, King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and I want you to listen to what he said about fellowship. He said this in chapter 4, starting in verse 9. He said, two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Isn't that a cool passage about fellowship and unity? 
Two are better than one. Do you notice the strength from being together and the weakness of being alone? There it is. If someone falls into a pit, someone who loves us and shares with us can help lift us out of the pit. And we can carry on together. But if we're alone and we don't have fellowship, we will remain in the pit and perhaps never get out of it. Now, I want to ask you a question. This is rhetorical, but answer it inwardly. Have you been in a pit for a while in any sense? Has life felt like you've been in a pit for a while? And if so, the answer to that question is, have you had fellowship? Have you had someone to come alongside of you and help you out of that pit? Also, if we're cold, he says, if we're cold, if we have others to huddle with, we'll get warm very quickly. But if we're alone, we'll remain cold and shivering. Have you felt cold for a while? Has your life, has your spiritual walk felt cold for a while? Again, the answer might be the lack of fellowship. Once again, if we're together, as he says, like a threefold cord, us, the church, and the Lord, there's the threefold cord, we will not be easily broken or defeated. We will withstand the attacks of the enemy army. But if we're alone, we're destined to be defeated or destroyed. Here's another question. Are you losing ground in your spiritual life? Are you losing ground? And the answer, once again, might be the lack of fellowship. If we can grab onto this concept today, that fellowship is going to be pretty essential to our philosophy as a church. And I believe it already is, but it will go even deeper than we have it right now. Now, I have never been in war. Maybe some of you have. And I probably never will be in war. My, I'm getting a little too old for that. But I have seen my fair share of documentaries and movies about war. And I will simply speak today as one who has a shallow understanding of war. War is hard. War is scary. And war is lonely. Right? In many historic wars, they had these things called trenches. They were basically glorified ditches that these men would hunker down together in protection against the enemy army. These men were incredibly tired. They were terrified. They were lonely. But they derived strength from each other by sharing the same things together. They looked next to themselves and they saw other tired, other terrified, and other lonely soldiers next to them. And because of that, they were less tired. They were less terrified and they were less lonely. And therefore, they all became stronger. Many of the documentaries I've watched said that very thing. So fellowship isn't just helpful. It's crucial to the strength of our spirit and the fight of our souls against evil. I'm going to say that again. Fellowship is crucial for the strength of our spirit and for the fight of our souls against evil. If we're going to carry on and continue to fight the devil and make progress in the Christian race, we need fellowship. Have you ever tried dealing with trials and temptations all by yourself, how did that go? It doesn't go very well. When you're alone and the devil can come after you one-on-one, -on -one, you're in big trouble. But when you have fellowship, when you have a team of you, when there's a church body to lean on, that gets much, much easier. So in a nutshell, we need fellowship with one another. And more importantly, we need fellowship with God and with Jesus. And the fellowship that we're talking about today is a package deal. If we have fellowship with one another, We'll also have it with the Lord and vice versa. It's a package deal. 
If we have fellowship, we'll gain strength from the Lord and we'll gain strength from one another. And if we don't have fellowship, significant, regular fellowship. I'm not talking about the fellowship that get here when it works for you or come when all the stars align or come to church when everything else is ideal in your life. I'm talking about regular, significant fellowship. When we have that kind of fellowship, we get strong. And when we don't, we remain weak and isolated against the devil. So the weakness of the modern-day church, if she has one, and I believe she does have one, is that we simply aren't gathering enough, and we're not sharing enough what we have in common. That is the weakness of the modern-day church. We are too isolated. We're too apart from one another. And the devil is picking us apart quite easily because we're not together like we're supposed to be. The early church knew that. The modern-day church struggles with that greatly. Too often churches will isolate from each other or focus on their differences. And when we isolate and when we focus on our differences, we do the opposite of fellowship. We do the opposite of deriving strength from one another and our fellow soldiers in the trenches. We instead abandon the trenches altogether and we leave ourselves, our brothers, and our sisters to attempt to fight the battle all by ourselves. And that's not supposed to work. And it doesn't work. I want to use one more illustration. This is my riskiest illustration today. So I'm going to ask for a couple volunteers. And I'm going to ask for my sons to come up, all three of them. So really, I only need one more volunteer. And I need somebody kind of brave, but it's not real scary, okay? I need one more volunteer. And if we don't, I'm going to, my, you'll hurt my feelings. Come on up, guys. Titus and Levi, come on up. You guys are going to be my volunteers. We've played this game at home already, so they know what to expect. But you guys do not. Lisa. She is our brave one today. Lisa jumped into the tech booth. She's going to be our fourth volunteer. Now, what I'm going to ask you to play is a game that I'm calling Will You Taste It? Will You Taste It? Now, I want to tell Lisa especially, come on up, boys, that the foods that I have for you are not horrible foods, okay? They're not very scary foods. Nothing's going to bite you or give you the gag reflex. But I have a plate here that I don't want you to look at, okay? I'm going to hand you things to put in your mouth one by one, and I want you to keep your eyes closed, okay? You guys remember doing this, right? Close your eyes, and I'm going to give the same thing to each one of you at the same time, okay? Put it in your mouth. Don't tell me what it is right away. I'm going to ask you a few questions before we do that, okay? So don't look, okay? Let's start with our first one. Lisa, I'm going to hand this to you. There's a toothpick on it. Don't eat the toothpick. Haddon. Toothpick. Don't eat the toothpick. Levi, don't eat the toothpick. Yep, I'll just put it in your mouth. Bite down. Okay. And Titus. Bite down, buddy. Okay. It doesn't come off the toothpick easy. Okay, now chew. Now here's my first question. Is what you're eating crunchy or chewy? Oh, very chewy. Very chewy. <laughs> Is it chewy? Do you guys all say it's chewy? Is it salty or sweet? Sweet. Is it yummy? Do you like it? Yes. <laughs> the grown-up. It's all right. Um, oh, do you guys like it? Do you like what you're eating right now? Don't look. Don't look. Keep the eyes closed. You guys like what you're eating right now? Yes. Would you eat it again? Yes. Okay, what do you think it is? Starburst. Starburst. Anybody else have a guest? Starburst. Starburst. What do you say, Lisa? I thought it was a gummy bear, but... Okay, she's closer. It's, it's a fruit snack. You guys remember those fruit snacks? It's a fruit snack on a toothpick. Okay, no, don't look. It'll ruin the game. Okay, that's number one. Number two, are we ready for this? 
I'm going to hand you something. Yeah, put your hand out. Put your hand out. Don't look. Put your hand out, Levi. Okay, one. Okay. All right. Now bite down. Don't tell me what it is yet. Is what you're eating uh, crunchy or chewy? Crunchy. Okay. Is it salty or sweet? Salty. Is it yummy? Yes. You like it? Okay. What do you think it is? It's a cracker. Goldfish. It is a goldfish. Actually, this is like a knockoff goldfish. It's a whale. It's like the cheap knockoff. I was going to guess that. But you're right. You guys get points for that one. So we got two more, okay? You guys doing brave? Still feeling good? Two more, okay? Let's do this one next. Put it in your mouth. Trust me, okay? There's no gag reflex. Here. It's like communion. Okay. All right. Chew on this one. This one's a little bit more ambiguous. Is it crunchy or chewy? Crunchy. Crunchy? It shouldn't be crunchy. It's chewy? Okay. Is it salty or sweet? Wow. Kind of in the middle? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> They're not sure. Is it yummy? Yes. Lisa? Yeah. Not really? No, it didn't have really any taste. Okay. What do you think it is? Like, um, the, I, I can't think of anything. It's a tortilla shell. Oh. So you're right. It basically has no taste. I mean, it's very little taste, I will say. Okay, we got one more. You guys ready for this? I have, I have cheese. I'm not going to do the cheese. It's been sitting out a while. So let's not go there. Okay, one more. Here, head. Here you go, guys. Take a bite. Okay. Take a bite. Okay, this is our last one. Crunchy or chewy? Crunchy. Crunchy. Is it salty or sweet? Sweet. sweet. Is it yummy? Yes. What do you think it is? Cookie. What was it? No guesses? You guys have any guesses? Cookie. Cookie? Some kind of cookie. It is a brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tart. You guys all get A's for the day. Good job. Ned, you guys can sit down. Lisa especially, thank you. Yeah, it was Pop-Tart. You want, you want something else? You're going to take a tortilla for the road? You guys want something for the road? This is generally how our Bible studies go at home. So you're getting a close picture. Okay, grab something quick. Okay, go sit down. Enjoy the gummy. Okay, so I wanted to show you a little example of what fellowship looks like. Now, you guys probably could have guessed on your own what fellowship looks like. But basically, in that little illustration we had, you see you had people sharing an experience together. And there was a little bit of bravery that was involved because you guys didn't know what was being put in your mouth. And at the same time, you were describing what it felt like, what it tasted like, what that experience was like. That's kind of what fellowship looks like, the fellowship that we're talking about today. Only the object changes to something so much more important, following Jesus. It takes a little bit of bravery, doesn't it? It takes courage, doesn't it? It also takes togetherness and fellowship to talk about what that experience is like. Fellowship allows us to experience the same things and then find strength that what we experience together is enhanced by that togetherness. The good gets better. The hard gets easier. Now, I may not want to do hard things, okay? And you guys might not want to as well. But if those hard things are necessary for my soul, and if my growth is dependent upon those things, and if I notice other weak people doing it at the exact same time, then my confidence to do those things 
is bolstered, I'm more likely to continue doing those things until the end. Now, have any of you ever gone cliff jumping? No one has gone cliff jumping? Maybe you're a little too old for this, but would you in your younger days have gone cliff jumping? Jumping off a cliff into a water. Into water. You've done it before? Oh, good. What was that like? Exhilarating. Okay. Would you have done it alone? I did. Nobody else you did it alone, Beth. Oh, well done. That's that's a lot of bravery right there. They all backed out. They all. <laughs> that's the opposite of fellowship. When you expect them to do it, and then and then they hightail it. Okay, okay. Well, this is kind of what I would expect if someone encouraged me to go cliff jumping. Now, I would probably say no, especially since I'm 40. But in my younger days, you may have coerced me if you said we're all going to do it together. None of us have tried it. Well, maybe not. We need someone who's experienced. But if, if someone was standing there next to me and all my friends, all my peers, and we're all a little scared together, and it wasn't real high, I might be able to go cliff jumping, cliff diving, or whatever the word is. But that, again, takes fellowship. When there's hard things that are necessary for you to do, and Christianity is essential, it's necessary. There's no way to dodge it. Following Jesus has to be done for every single one of us. And therefore, we need each other to stand next to each other, to encourage each other, to lock arms together. And before we get to our last passage on fellowship, I want to consider why fellowship is so important. Now, my mom, who is not here today, when she was 17 years old, my mom lost her dad. He passed away when she was 17. Now, guess what kind of person my mom can encourage and fellowship with? People that have lost their dad or their mom at a young age. My mom has had significant fellowship on several occasions, especially with young girls who lost their dad at a young age. Because my mom can say to them, I know what it's like. I've been there. And she can help that person. My dad has been in youth ministry for over 40 years. 40 years, that's a long time. So imagine what kind of person my dad can best help strengthen. The youth worker. The person in youth ministry. My dad can say to them, I know what that's like. I can help you. And he does. That's exactly what he does with his ministry. My sister, many of you know Christy, she's in a foreign land as a missionary. She's in Berlin, Germany. And she's been there for 17 years. Guess what kind of person my sister can best fellowship with and best encourage? Another missionary. That's exactly right. I myself have been in campus ministry for 13 years. Did you know that? 13 years I've been doing that? And I have seven young children, and I'm a pastor. So guess what kind of people I can best fellowship with? And you get the point. That's right, parents and other campus ministry workers and other pastors. There are things and people in this world that we can best fellowship with because we have the same things in common. It's that simple. And therefore, we can help those people, and they can help us. But I want you to understand today that Christians have so many things in common really deep, important things. In fact, the list is too long to give you. I couldn't complete a list of all the things that Christians have in common, but I'm going to give you eight. And I'm going to rattle through these very quickly. Eight things that Christians have in common together. Number one, we all started as sinners. We all started as sinners. Every single one of us can say and attest, I too was a sinner. I, too, lived against the will of God. I know what it's like. I know the darkness. And it's horrible. And every single Christian can say that exact thing. That's powerful. 
We can also say this, we're weak by nature. We are weak people. Weak people can all fellowship with one another by saying, I too am weak. I too have struggles. I too have things that I wrestle with because I'm weak. Here's number three. We live in a world that hates Christians. The entire world, generally speaking, hates Christians. And we all have had some experience in our life of being mistreated because we're a Christ follower. Everyone has that experience. Number four, we face many trials. Trials are things that we experience, testings from God, to see how strong our faith is. And God gives trials to every single Christian, many different shapes and sizes, but we can always say, we can also say together, we have faced trials. And we can all go around the room and we can all share a trial that we've experienced, maybe even recently. To go along with that, we've all faced many temptations. Many times the devil has come after us and tried to trip us up and get us to walk in error. And we could all go around the room and share many different experiences of how the devil has come after us. Number six, we've all been saved from our sins by the Lord Jesus Christ. We can all go around and boast in the grace of our Lord Jesus and the blood of his forgiveness. It's powerful, isn't it? Number seven, we all have an uphill journey to heaven. We all have the same uphill journey to heaven. Every single one of us is doing the exact same course together. That's powerful. And number eight, we all desire to please the Lord with our lives. I hope that's your desire because that is my desire. And we could go around the room and every one of us would raise our hands that we desire to please the Lord with our lives. Now think about that resume. Think about that list. All eight of those things are things that every one of us has in common together. Who do you think can best fellowship with us? And the answer is quite simple. The church. The church. Now there is one more person that we're going to get to who can also fellowship with us. But the people that can best fellowship with us based on that resume is the church. The world cannot fellowship with me. They know nothing of the Christian path full of dangers and pain and loneliness, do they? But every single one of you sitting here today knows what I deal with on any given day because you also experience it. And that's fellowship. And this is why the church is so valuable to us. We're all in the trenches together. When you look next to you, you're not alone. I'm there right next to you in the same battle against the same enemy for the same glory of the same God. And when you, when, excuse me, when I look next to me, I'm not alone either. You're there in the same battle against the same enemy for the same glory of the same God. All of the people in this room, if they're in Christ, are in the trenches together. And that's powerful. And we have been given each other for four very powerful things, okay? Why have we been given each other? Number one is for strength. So that we will get stronger and not easy to push around against the devil. Because when we don't have fellowship, we are very easy to push around. And I can tell you that from firsthand experience. When I don't have the togetherness and the fellowship of the church, I'm easy to push around. So number one is for strength. Number two is for boldness. Excuse me, for boldness. When I fellowship and find unity with my church, I get confident. 
for the kingdom of God. Can I share with you my favorite verse in the entire scripture? If I had one verse to pin as my favorite verse in the entire scripture, it would be Acts 4.13. Write it down and look at it sometime. I'm going to quote it for you, okay? Acts 4.13 says, And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they must have been with Jesus. Is that a powerful passage? They saw the courage of Peter and John, and they came to one quick conclusion. They got that from Jesus. Right there is the definition of fellowship. So number two is for boldness. Number three is for encouragement to keep going. To keep going. Because oftentimes in the Christian race, we want to give up. And when your church comes alongside of you and gives you that fellowship, you're encouraged to keep going. And our last one is for unity. When we find fellowship and unity together, we become whole. If you remember our last sermon, we talked about that, how unity means wholeness and support. When we find unity and we find fellowship, we find that wholeness and support that we were always meant to have. Now, we're going to finish this on a very powerful note together because there's one more person who could fellowship with us. And it comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Guys, Jesus himself knows what you go through every single day of your lives. And he knows it by experience, not by knowledge only. Jesus, more than anyone ever, knows exactly what you face in this journey. Why does he know it? Because he went through it first, before you did. He ran the exact same race that you and I are called to run. And he already ran his race, and he already finished his race. He is now seated comfortably in heaven, basking in the glory of God. And he is the one that wants to fellowship with us. And although Jesus now is exalted in heaven, because that's what is said in Philippians 2, that passage that TGD read, Jesus is now exalted. He's still walking next to us by his Holy Spirit. And so as much as we are in the trenches together, Jesus is in the trenches with all of us. And we're all in the trenches together until the end. Now, our weaknesses, all of them, I don't care what they are, may not be overcome by your, by your own power and your own strength. But every single one of our weaknesses can be overcome by the strength of Jesus. Is that right? Every single one of them. Now, if I'm in this battle alone with my weaknesses, I'm in pretty rough shape. But if the Lord Jesus Christ is standing right next to me, supporting me, strengthening me, giving me courage, then I can stand my ground and actually make progress against the kingdom of darkness. No, fellowship is not just talking with other Christians on Sundays. It's sharing the commonality we all have together of living this life the way Jesus has called us to. We all have a race to run. We all have an enemy to defeat. 
We all have sins to overcome, and we all have Jesus helping us do that. And no one else can say that except the church. Nobody. Nobody in your life can say yes to all of those things except the people in this room, Christians like this. That means the church is in the very unique category to love you like nobody else can except Jesus. Nobody can love you like the church. The church is an extension of Jesus. If you will find the church, and I want you to remember last week's lesson on Lean on Me, you will find the strength that will change your life. And I'm telling you that from experience. The church and the strength that I receive from you guys has changed my life for the good. Wyoming Valley Church, we're going to switch to our application now. These are the things I want you to focus on based on this lesson, okay? We are all in the trenches together. We are. Whether you want to be or not, you're in the trenches with me, okay? Therefore, here's some things that we need to focus upon. Number one, let us come together. And I don't just mean physically. Let us come together in spirit and in truth. Let us rally around each other and say, this is our race. This is our fight. This is our Christian life. We're in this together. Boy, if we did that, we would get very, very strong together. Number two, let us gather regularly and faithfully. Again, not just when it works out for us. That's the American mantra. But those who understand the depth and the richness and the strength of fellowship will gather regularly and faithfully. Number three, let us pray for each other. When we pray for each other, we invest in each other. And when we invest in each other, that strength comes back to us. Number four, let us love each other. Because we win together. Did you know that? We win this race together. We die alone or we win together. Number five, let us encourage each other. Come alongside. And do you know the word encourage? I, when I found this out, I just, I've always remembered this definition of encourage. It means to give confidence to someone else. Do you know that's what it means? When you come alongside and encourage someone else, you give them confidence. I just think that's a really powerful definition of the word encourage. You give someone confidence. We should be doing that for each other. I need your confidence and you need mine. And number six, let us keep our eyes on Jesus. Together. Together. That's how it was supposed to work. And if we do these things, and I want you to think about these things, not just write them down and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to think about these things and focus on these things in your life. Because this is what's going to take us from casual Christians who follow Jesus when we can to strong, secure, formidable soldiers against the kingdom of darkness. And if we do that, one day we will go from in the trenches together to in the presence of the holy God together in the kingdom of heaven. Because that's the point. And perhaps we'll look back on this date, May 2nd, 2021, and we will remember the day we found strength from being in the trenches together. Wyoming Valley Church, may we unify, may we find the strength that the Lord always intended us to have from each other. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this message of the word of God. Thank you for the fellowship that we can find from your church. You gave us the church as a blessing, as a gift, something that we could find such strength and energy from. I pray that we would. I cannot do this for everybody, but Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts and prick our minds and show us how important this is as a church to come together in spirit and in truth, to lean on each other, to fight together, to pray for one another, to love each other, so that one day we would all stand before you in confidence 
that we ran our race and we finished it well. For Jesus' sake, by your grace, for your glory. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.